Good evening, my friends, and welcome back to 62 Horror Movies with Josh Hitchens. That's me, where I'm your host for a creepy double feature every night in October. Come join me, won't you? My friends, it is October 30th, the night before the night of all nights, Halloween, and tonight on 62 Horror Movies is Haunted Asylum Night. Um, the idea of the haunted insane asylum is one of the few horror tropes that really, really deeply disturbs and frightens me. I think because... And I'll talk about this a little bit in our second movie. Um, it really has, can't help but have a basis in truth of how the horrific way that we truly dealt with people who were mentally ill in the 20th century, especially uh, in the United States of America, especially, um, but not exclusively. Our first feature of the night uh, is House on Haunted Hill. From 1999, followed by Session 9 from 2001. We're going to start by talking about House on a Haunted Hill. And as we talked about many, many days ago, um, House on a Haunted Hill from 1959, directed by William Castle, starring Vincent Price, is really one of my favorite uh creepy, fun, haunted house movies, and I think the remake that was done of House on Haunted Hill in 1999 is one of only a handful of horror movie remakes that really works and really stands up to the original and in some ways, I think, improves on the original. Um, to be very honest, this movie, um, House on Haunted Hill from 1999, is one of the few horror movies that does legitimately scare me. Um, I've seen it many times, and it really does frighten me, really gets under my skin and freaks me out. Um, it was released on October 29th, 1999, and I actually went to the movie theater and saw this film on Halloween 1999. Um, and I, and it made, it, A, it, I did scream, uh, when I watched it, but even more so, there's one particular sequence in this movie, I'm not going to even tell you what it is, um, that he did something even deeper than make me scream. It just pr produced this sound to me that was just like, oh, like, and I just hid my eyes. Like, it was just, it was too, it was too much. It just really was this is the stuff of nightmares to me um i i think this movie is great i think it does not get the credit it deserves um it was moderately successful at the box office uh, their budget was 19 million um made 40 million dollars screenplays by dick Beebe, uh based on the original screenplay by rob white and dick Beebe actually has a cameo at the very beginning in the first scene of this film as uh, a staff member at the uh, Vanicut Asylum for the Insane, and he's actually the first one to die by getting two sharpened pencils 
um, pushed right through his neck, um, which is funny considering he's the writer. So a little fun bit of trivia for you there. And this movie uh, was directed by William Malone. Um, yeah, it, I think I think this movie's great. Uh, so House on Haunted Hill, the remake, takes the original premise of the William Castle movie is very, very faithful to it, where it's, you know, a very rich man and his wife who have a very contentious relationship, um, and they invite a group of ostensible strangers to this haunted house, in this case a haunted asylum, and they get a lot of money if they can stay all night and if they can survive all night. Um, but House on Haunted Hill 99 really updates the original material in really exciting ways, in ways that I think are tremendously effective, and setting, making the House on Haunted Hill an, a haunted insane asylum, I think, was kind of a stroke of genius. And this movie succeeds, like so many haunted house movies do that are really good, in that it lays out the backstory of the film very, very early on. On um, the first scene, you see uh, the riot by the the patients of the asylum where they break through and kill a bunch and kill a bunch of the staff. And then you get this creepy newsreel footage that um, sort of sets everything up, and I'm going to play that for you. And what you're seeing here is patients operating on the staff members. October 11, 1931, Los Angeles. A conflagration of biblical proportions incinerates nearly everything and everyone inside what was once the City of Angels' most celebrated medical facility, the Vatican Psychiatric Institute for the Criminally Insane. But the secret this inferno burned free was far more frightening than any picture Hollywood could produce. A sanitarium of slaughter supervised by a surgeon gone mad, Richard Benjamin Vanicut. Dr. Richard Benjamin Vanicut. Little known today, but likely the most prolific mass murderer of this century. He outbutchered Bundy. He made Manson look meek. And the sight of his carnage still exists today, restored almost to its original state. But it has yet to be inhabited because some say the spirits of Vanicut and his victims still live within the walls of the house on Haunted Hill. And so that's the setup for the movie. Um, and that is uh, the wife of the main character, uh, played by Famke Jansen. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm saying her name right. Sorry if I'm not. She's great. Um, is watching a sort of uh, kind of a ripoff of Unsolved Mysteries, which was hosted by Robert Stack. Um, and this in House on Haunted Hill, it's called Terrifying But True, and it's hosted by Peter Graves, um, who's a great substitute for Robert Stack, because like Robert Stack, he has this really, really uh, great voice. Um, I think one of the chief assets that the remake of House on Haunted Hill has is that they cast Jeffrey Rush in the role of Stephen Price uh, in the Vincent Price role. Jeffrey Rush, great, great actor, um, has done some pretty shitty things. Um, you can read about that on his Wikipedia page. 
but he's he's perfect um, in this role. Um, he's made up to even look like Vincent Price, and it's not an imitation of Vincent Price, but it's it's sort of it's it's a homage to him. Um, and there's I don't think there's really anyone else who could have filled Vincent Price's shoes better than Jeffrey Rush did in this movie. And you have Famke Jansen as his wife, Evelyn Stockard Price. And like the original House on Haunted Hill, the scenes where they're fighting and bickering are some of the highlights of this movie. Um, and they're even, even more extreme with a sort of... Um, such sexual edge even more so uh, than in the original film uh, and you have a really great supporting cast um, in this film Tay Diggs, Peter Gallagher, Chris Kattan, Ali Larter, uh, Bridget Wilson and even a cameo um, by James Marsters, um, who's a cameraman, uh, in one of the early scenes in the movie. James Marsters is, of course, most famous for playing the role of Spike in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And also, in a really great role, you have the horror legend Jeffrey Combs as Dr. Vaniket, uh, who is one of the many specters terrorizing the guests in the house on Haunted Hill. And Jeffrey Combs is, of course, famous for Reanimator um, and other Stuart Gordon movies, including From Beyond and Castle Freak. He's also very memorable in Peter Jackson's movie The Frighteners, uh, which is a great movie that I think has kind of been forgotten and shouldn't be. Um, but anyway... Uh, so everyone gets to the house on Haunted Hill for the party, and that montage is set to Marilyn Manson's cover of Sweet Dreams Are Made of This, and it, any movie that uses that cover is a success. It's one of the great covers ever made. Um, and the house is sort of this art deco fortress on the edge of a cliff with a sheer drop to the ocean, and the basement is where the asylum really is and it's dimly dimly lit with these flickering bulbs and the asylum portion is just filled with these really horrific things um the makeup and creature effects and ghost effects in this film are so so good Par they were partially done um by horror makeup legend dick smith also horror makeup legend gregory uh nicotero they're very very good very well done uh, and this is a movie that I think is deeply, deeply frightening because of its subtext of the atrocities that were done upon the patients by this doctor gone mad, Dr. Vanicut. Uh, and this is, I think, the first movie that I saw that used the special effect, which has now become a trope of, like, a face suddenly moving very, very rapidly back and forth, um, when you're not expecting it. Um... I think this is actually the movie that uses that effect best, um, uses it in ways that are genuinely disturbing to watch. And then it kind of got overplayed in a lot of subsequent movies. Um, but the thing that I think is really, one of the things I think is great about the remake of House on Haunted Hill is that for the most part, what you're seeing are practical special effects, practical makeup effects. It's not until the very end of the movie that CGI is deployed. And 1999, this is kind of the beginning of CGI being a thing that 
could be used by a lot of filmmakers was becoming more accessible. And the CGI in this movie, I think, is the least successful aspect of it um, because everything that you've seen prior to it looks and feels very realistic. Um, and then you see this fake computer-generated ghost thing called the darkness. Um, I think the concept behind what the ultimate darkness in the house on Haunted Hill is is really fascinating um, and a great addition to the original story. But the way they do it with the special effects, with the CGI, I think is a little bit of a shame. But uh, it doesn't ruin the movie. And watching the movie again recently... It's not as bad as I remember it being, but it's still a bit disappointing um, because all the spooky effects up till that time uh, have been really, really effective. Um, and when you watch House on a Haunted Hill, um, make sure you stick around through the end credits because there is an end credit scene that is really great and really disturbing and totally brings the whole movie full circle in a really interesting way. I cannot recommend the remake of House on Haunted Hill enough. This movie was made by a new product was the first movie made by a new production company called Dark Castle. Um, after this, they remade another William Castle movie. Um, they remade Thirteen Ghosts, uh, which we talked about earlier. Uh, and that came out, I think, in 2001. That movie's a sh piece of shit. I know, I know a lot of people really love the remake of 13 Ghosts. I don't. I think the concept of it's really cool with the house being made of glass is fascinating. And I think the backstories and the designs of the 13 Ghosts in the remake are great. But the problem is, that is the most interesting thing about the movie. Um, the actual plot of the movie and the execution of it, I think, is pretty poor. But uh, it has its defenders. 13 Ghosts is, is worth a watch once. But I think House on Haunted Hill, the remake from 1999, is infinitely superior. Is one of the few horror movies that still honestly scares the daylights out of me still to this day at 35 years old um even though i've seen it many times it still makes me jump even now highly recommend it so enjoy house on haunted hill the remake from 1999 and we'll come back for our second feature of the night All right, so our second feature in our Haunted Asylum Night is another one of my favorites, I think very underrated. It is Session 9, released in 2001, and it was directed by Brad Anderson, written by Brad Anderson and Stephen Gavadin. Um, stars a cast of five, uh, and that is it. Uh, Session 9, I think, as well as being an extremely well-made movie, hugely atmospheric, really creates a sense of dread, while also being a really complex and interesting psychological character study, is also, I think, an important historical document. Because Session 9 was filmed in the ruins of the abandoned 
Danvers State Mental Hospital in Danvers, Massachusetts, and most of the hospital was demolished five years after this movie was made and turned into condos because that's what we do in America. Um... It's a lot of outcry about that. A lot of history got destroyed. Um, and I can't imagine why anyone would want to live there. Um, so the Danvers State Mental Hospital is located in Danvers, Massachusetts. And what is now known as Danvers, Massachusetts, was originally known as Salem Village, where actually the uh, most of the activity in what is now called the Salem Witch Trials occurred. Um in Danvers, not in what is now present-day Salem. Things happened in Salem as well, um, but it's really a combination of both those places, so there's that horrific history to deal with uh, in Danvers. But the Danvers State Mental Hospital uh, is where, not where the lobotomy was invented, but it is where it is said the lobotomy was perfected. And the lobotomy is, of course, one of the most inhumane medical quote-unquote treatments that has ever been devised um it's absolutely horrific like you want you want something that'll disturb you keep you up at night read about fucking rosemary kennedy um john f kennedy's sister who was lobotomized when she was in her early 20s and i'm just gonna say it um, because people need to know about it uh the way when they, she was completely awake when she was being lobotomized and they went in, started cutting and they kept asking her like, count backwards, say the Lord's prayer. And they kept cutting her fucking brain away until she became incoherent. And that's how she remained for the rest of her life. Um, it destroyed so many human beings. Um, oh God. Uh, so that's part of the legacy of Danvers State Medical Hospital and Mental Hospital. And like many of the big asylums, including Penhurst here in Pennsylvania, um, among many, many, many others, um, was eventually closed down due to the immense abuse and neglect of the patients by the medical staff. Um, it's another reason why I really love... American Horror Story Asylum and why I think that is the most effective season because it really tells the truth about what was done to human beings in mental institutions during that time. So uh, Danvers State Medical Mental Hospital was abandoned and when Session 9 was filmed there, uh, they could only film in a relatively small portion of the hospital because a lot of it was unsafe and there actually was asbestos in in uh, the building. Uh, the five men who were the characters in this movie are, work as an asbestos abatement team and they're working in the hospital all alone. And when they made this movie here, they added almost nothing in terms of set dressing um, or art direction what you see in session nine is what Danvers Medical Mental Hospital, State Mental Hospital, I don't know why I keep saying that, uh, what it actually did look like uh, when this movie was made in 2000, 2001. Uh, and you, you couldn't build anything creepier. Uh, and I think that's a huge part of what makes session nine effective and really unsettling is you know that what you're looking at 
is the real thing where many real people were tortured and died horrible deaths. Um, they actually, like, they went through a lot of the rooms in this movie and found original documents. They found patients' belongings. They actually found human blood and skin samples that were left uh, in drawers and file cabinets uh, in the abandoned hospital. And while they were making this movie, they they were scared. Like, the actors have given many interviews about it like saying like no it it was not it wasn't a fun movie to make that like it was they were always like genuinely scared in real life and that they could feel the pain of the people uh who had passed through Danvers over the years and they actually did experience some things they could not explain uh one of the actors was um filming a scene outside uh, and he was looking into a window into the asylum, and he saw a black shadowy figure walk past the window when everyone was outside. There wasn't anyone in the building at that time. And when they were filming a scene up on a roof, another one of the actors said that standing at the edge of the roof, and he heard a voice that was almost inside his head, um, this voice saying, try it, just try it. Um, sort of tempting him to jump off the roof to see what it was like. And you can tell watching Session 9 that these are all, the, all five of them are really great actors, but you can tell through a lot of it that they're not acting all the time, like that they are genuinely afraid. Uh, and Session 9 refers to one of the characters finds, um, these audio, these audio recordings of a former patient, a woman who had um, a multiple personality disorder, dissociative identity disorder, um, who had, and throughout the session, starting with session one and on and on and on, um, you get a really terrifying portrait of what's happening to her. Uh, and it's not until the final session, session nine, which gives the movie its title, that you find out exactly what's going on. Um, and like I said, session nine works tremendously well as a character study. It's a movie about really the horrors of the human mind. Um, throughout the movie, there's a question of... Is there something paranormal happening? Is this place haunted? Is it ghosts? Is it a demon? Or is it mental illness? Is it human frailty that is haunting these people? Is it a haunted place or are they haunted people? Um, which I think is a question that the horror movies and horror media, when they ask that question and interrogate that question, that is when... A piece of work is created that truly sticks in your mind and does not leave. And Session 9 is definitely one of those movies that once you see it, you, you it never really leaves you. Um, like I've never I've never forgotten it. Uh, yeah, I, I don't want to say too much about it because I don't want to give away too much because I think Session 9 is a movie that is best if you don't read 
anything about it beforehand. Don't read about the plot. Um, like, just go, like, read about the Danvers State Mental Hospital and that history. And I think that's a good primer for watching Session 9 because you're seeing this real location where this real-life horror happened. And now this is the last on film that you see of the real Danvers State Mental Hospital as it was. Um, it is a deeply creepy film. And I think Session 9 has, for me, the most disturbing final line of any film that I've horror film that I've ever watched. Uh, I'm not going to say what it is. I'm going to let you watch Session 9. And then we'll come back and we're going to talk about that final line and we'll close out the night. Okay, so I am going to assume that you have watched Session 9. If you have not watched Session 9 yet and you're still listening, please, I beg you, stop. Because the ending is not something you want to be spoiled. So, all abandon hope, all you who enter here. Um, that final line of Session 9, where you hear the voice on the tape, the voice that was supposedly... Uh, possessing perhaps this woman or was part of her multiple personality disorder. It's a voice that the main character, Gordon, has also heard um, throughout the film, but it ends with that line, where do you live? And the voice says, I live in the weak and the wounded, Doc. And it uh, just gave me a chill just saying that um, because I think that speaks so much to the heart of what horror is. Um, I'm getting a little emotional talking about it because I think, as you've seen in many of these films, that horror and the supernatural they can be real, they can exist, I believe they do exist, but there's also a piece of it where the horror is a manifestation of real human trauma, um, and that perhaps there are things in this world, um, you can call them ghosts, you can call them demons, or just the residual energy of a place that can feed on people, feed on the weak and the wounded and let the darkness in. Um, I think Session 9 is one of those movies that truly gets that. And that's why I think it is a great, great, great movie, period. Not even a great horror movie. I think it is a great movie that I think everyone should watch. So I hope you enjoyed it. And now we're going to close out the night. My friends, thank you for joining me once again for 62 Horror Movies with Josh Hitchens. That's me. Tomorrow night is the big night, folks. It is Halloween night. 
and we're going to watch my favorite two Halloween movies ever made, Trick or Treat and The Midnight Hour. Let's do this one more time, folks. Tomorrow night, it will really be Happy Halloween.